WFAE's David Borex has the story. Tariq Bakari and Larkin Eggleston call their podcast R&D in the QC. Eggleston says they hope to reach people who may not pay attention to the council. Eggleston is 35 and a Democrat. Bakari is a 37-year-old Republican. Despite their political differences, they bonded on the campaign trail in part over their beards, says Bakari. The beards themselves are what truly united us in the beginning. They hope to be an example of how to debate productively across the political divide. That's right, folks. Episode 67. We prepare for next week's Debate of the Dans in District 9, our Pittsburgh trip last week, and rezoning. Welcome to the show, episode 67, R&D and QC. That's it. Fire we us are, up, Larkin. We're so excited. <laughs> we are midweek here. Uh, what day is it? It's Thursday. Is it Thursday? It's a little later than usual. On Monday night, our rezoning meeting went till about 11 o'clock. It just ended. <laughs> it's what it felt like we were headed towards. Um, went a little late. We had a couple of things that we wanted to, to catch you up on midweek before our big episode. Next week, as was mentioned in the intro, we've got... The Battle of the Dans. Episode 68 is going to be... A doozy. A Dan, Battle of a, the Dans. A Daniel doozy. Now, now they are not going to... Just like we did in our District 3 showdown. Which people loved. People really liked that. And I, I, I don't blame them. It was amazing. Um, they're going to go in one after another. We're going to have Dan they, number one. They might pass in the hallway... Of the government center, but we're going to have them on separately. Uh, yeah, we're going to have them separately. Dan this, number this one. This office is only big enough for one of the one Dan's. Dan's. Uh Dan McCready Literally. will be on at 1 p.m. Uh, that's not how podcasts work, we know, <laughs> but we will also be live streaming His interview it. will be at 1 p.m. And then at 2 p.m. roundabouts is Dan number two, Dan Bishop, and we'll live stream that as well. Might give or take a little bit there um, on timing, but uh, it's all going to go down. So... We're going to have a dialogue with the Dans. So let's talk about how we're going to do this because we usually just kind of do it. But with we're going the, to try with not the to Dans, we're not going to freewheel it as much. We're going to prepare. And I think this is a call to action for our audience as well right now, right? Yeah. So a little bit like we did the District 3, but a little different. District 3, obviously, uh, we had three Democratic candidates for a primary. A little easier to ask them all the exact same questions. That's what we did. I think it makes it easier for listeners to compare. We're going to do the same thing with the Dans. We're going to ask them uh, a set of questions that we'll come up with ahead of time. It will be the same ones for each so that you can compare and contrast their answers kind of apples to apples. But then acknowledging the fact that one is a Democrat, one is a Republican, and some of the nuances of this race will have some questions that are maybe specific to one candidate or the other at the end. So, so reply to, the, to this post uh, or send us a note on any um any questions you'd like us to consider adding into it but i mean you know what are you thinking larkin what are some questions that are jumping to your mind here well i mean i think that you know the race there's there's going to be a ton of outside money coming on both sides there's going to be a ton of outside influence coming in on both sides i think that the people of district nine um particularly in our listening area of District 9, I think really want to hear what the person's plans are, what the person's going to do when they get to Washington. Um, I think you and I both believe in people running campaigns and and framing their value proposition as why someone should vote for them and less about why someone shouldn't vote for the other person. And I think that's what I hope that both of them will come into our interviews with them uh, with that mindset of selling themselves, not trying to um, convince 
you know, cause fear in the other candidate. And okay, well, so, but then there's a, I agree, but there's another side to that coin too, which is, and maybe this is an unfair characterization, maybe not, is, you know, if we're selling yourself, right, it's, it's being clear with the answers. Would you agree or disagree with that? Taking the hard positions one way or another and, and saying, you know, if I go up there, some are going to like this and some aren't, but here's what it is. And, you know, I don't know that that critique of McCready is any more fair than the critique of Bishop, which is, which is the kind of the point you raised. But I, I think that is a good premise of let's focus on, on as, as much of both of those in the, in the happy medium as possible. Yeah. I mean, just, and flat out, what are your priorities? I mean, when you get up there, it's not, you're not one of 11 members on city council. You're one of 435 members of the Congress. I thought 11 was a lot. Right. <laughs> yeah, we can't wrangle our 11. Uh, how anything gets done in Congress, I guess nothing does get done much in Congress. But, you know, you're not going to go up there as a, a, a freshman coming in in the middle of a term and have a ton of power. But what are the things that you really want to dig in on? What are the committees you'd want to serve on? What yeah. is the work you want to do? And presumably you'll have a, either Dan that wins would have a leg up in the next election to serve. Well, a that's another question. That is how do they feel like about <laughs> getting the there and immediately ca- starting yeah, I mean, to run again? Ca- it's just straight campaigning the whole time. Um, but they will, it will certainly give an advantage to the person who, who gets that one year in the seat and can run as the incumbent. Um, so what are the things that, you know, hopefully in your three years, if you win, you hope to win again, hope to serve at least three years. What are the things you want to get accomplished and what do you think the top priorities are and where can, depending on which way the presidential race goes in 2020 and where the power is both in the executive branch and the legislative branch, what are the things that the two parties might be able to come together on that either Dan sees as the possibility for, for bipartisan work beyond 2020, depending on how that all shakes out. What do you think up. about, uh, this just came to me. What do you think about asking them ahead of time each to come up with one question that we would pose to the other from on their behalf? Yes or no? Good or bad idea? They both, well, one, they both have to agree to it. But I was say it'd, be, it'd be hard to know if it's a good or a bad idea until we see what their questions are. Well, but we don't get to, we don't get to do that if we're going to ask them. Like they can ask whatever they would want if we would decide to do okay. it. Well, we'll think about that. Let's offline. have the viewers, the listeners, weigh in on if that's a good idea or not. But yeah, so if you're listening to episode 67, um, like I said, it's Thursday today. If you're listening to it anytime between now and Monday, um, either via the R and D and the QC Facebook page, or either of our personal Twitters or Facebooks or whatever the easiest way for you to contact us is, uh, reach out, let us know, uh, your questions that you'd like yeah. to hear us ask. Maybe, maybe just post it on Twitter, tag us both and hashtag battle of the dance. Mm, should uh, we start a hashtag? Hey, we should start a hashtag. Da- well, let's think da- about it. Dan debate. 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 Uh, deb- the Dan debate. Dan. Dan debate. Dan's debate. No. No. Dan debate, debate dance. Hashtag it whatever you want. Just tag us Make so we see it. Make the hashtag funny, though. Think of something cool. Yeah. We'll use the hashtag if we like it. And uh, send us your questions. Battle of the Dance is pretty good. Yeah. It's like Battle of the, 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 battle band, of the, bands. the Bands. Yeah, yeah. Battle of the Dance. Battle of the Dance. I think that's it. Hashtag, hashtag Battle of the, of the Dance. dance. With we will Z. try to get your questions Just kidding. on. Just kidding. No Z. If they are appropriate. <laughs> yeah. Good. Well, I'm looking forward to that. You know, that I honestly, there's a lot of different forums and ways to get to know candidates. Um, but after the district three one, I really liked it because it's just kind of like uh, a, a one-on-one setting with each person. You kind of get to 
put them side by side and see it, but they get the, it's really the floor is theirs. And we're right? not, it's not uh, an attempt at any kind of gotcha stuff. Right, we right. want to be straight with these people. And um, but I think and, we'll and, each probably ask the opposing party, party's person, maybe a couple oh, somewhat tough but yeah. respectful well, questions. That doesn't mean it's, that doesn't mean yeah. it's softballs. That it means it's all softballs, but it's respectful. But it's obviously. not, nobody, there's no sneak attacks. Right. Um, so, yeah, I think that will be good. And I, I think it's cool that, um, you know, there's not presumably going to be a competitive mayor's race. Um, in 2017, there was a, a lot of interesting things to watch in the election. Because What about you that article? Did had, you read that yesterday? The one uh, on, like, it was 95% about Vi not having a, an opponent and then 1% on how we're all going to be battling it out in the – Battle Royale uh, down in the trenches here. I, I don't think that was the implication of the district uh, references. I, I mean, I, yeah, I. The fact is, I, in 2017, there was a really exciting mayor's race. You had a three-way, um, three serious candidates in the Democratic primary. Um, you had a competitive Republican running. That was the kind of the star of the show in 2017. That race was. That's not going to be the case this year. There will be some competitive city council races, but um, you know it's a it's a different level of excitement. It's when a people concert in our city, that lacks a headliner. <laughs> well, no, it doesn't. It has the Battle of the Dance. That's my point. No, that's our primary, right? Well, and that's all oh, oh, right. That's what so, I'm saying. Okay. Like that's the so you're saying that's the that exciting is, race of 2019. And so, so, what are you saying? No one's going to pay attention to the general and even remember it exists. Well, as as listeners of this show well know, in Mecklenburg County, the general election generally doesn't mean a whole lot. First person uh, to 100 votes, yeah. takes her down. Um, <laughs> so you know, if people want to have uh, people want to have an impact, whether they live in the ninth or the twelfth, um, if you live in the twelfth, obviously you're not going to have a congressional race at the top of your ticket. But if you want to have an impact in elections in Mecklenburg County, you need to be voting in September not waiting till November because in November there'll be very little to vote on. And in the battle of the Dan hashtag there, our primary is their general. So it will be decided uh, on September 10th. Ooh, can we skip, can we make this a thing now? The battle of the Dan's? I feel like, uh, feel like John Oliver right now where yeah. we need a little thing on the bottom of the screen. Hashtag battle of the Dan's hashtag Dan fest. <laughs> <laughs> hashtag Dan, Dan Hashtag your Dan, right? <laughs> All right. All right. Um, that's good stuff. What else is going on, bud? We were in uh, Pittsburgh. We were. We were there on the land of the three rivers. Charlotte Regional Business Alliance inner city visit. Serba. Rolls, all right, rolls right off the tongue. Serba. Um, I thought it was a good trip. It was a good trip. And uh, and we got to talk about it a little bit this morning. We were on, well, we recorded Flashpoint. It'll be on this Sunday. Um, that's not how Flashpoint works. Yes. It's it's. Uh, Unlike a podcast, it is on at a specific time. <laughs> yes. And it's I don't remember what that ben time is. Thompson. But I know it's on Sunday morning. Got us again. There's a little uh, Easter egg at the end of the Flashpoint Easter episode Sunday egg. for you guys. Ooh, well said. Yeah, yeah, isn't that like a video game reference? Yeah, it is, yeah, man. Yeah. See, that's like a pop culture thing. Where yeah. was the first Easter egg ever planted in video game oh, pop oh. culture? Contra. <laughs> wrong. Zelda. Though very wrong. I don't know. Adventure. That's the name of a game. Oh man, adventure is the name of a next video week, game? maybe or week after. I'm gonna do a. I gotta get back to pop culture quizzes. We've really kind of just put this podcast in cruise control. <laughs> it's time for us to go back to the games. How about before you get back to quizzing me with stupid trivia, you get back to like clever song, uh, 
interludes. Oh, very easy. Like, why are all the things my things that I have to do? Like, can't you? Right. You have to you? bring something to the table. Oh, here. you're terrible. So we'll be on Flashpoint Sunday, and you'll right. get to hear us talk a little bit about Pittsburgh. But we, we did go up there. It was a group of 150 folks, everybody from university presidents to um, business leaders, folks from um, really all sectors of government and civic leadership. Uh, I was glad to see we actually had a higher participation this year across elected bodies than we'd had last year when we went to Atlanta. In Atlanta Less council, more uh, commission. Well, we, we had four council members in the mayor. I think we had, I think there were four county commissioners and then there was a school board member. So again, I think it's good. There's, there's things we can learn from cities of all sizes, not only best practices, see what they've done right and done well, but see where maybe they, they have misstepped and we can avoid some of those same pitfalls. Um, but it was a good trip. And I, in Pittsburgh, I'd not been in about a decade. And the renaissance that it's having is, is really pretty staggering. And they've really doubled well, down. Well, I mean, from 10 years ago to now. Sure. And, Relatively and looking speaking. at the, the progress they've made. And we heard this phrase over and over again in their eds and meds. I mean, they have yeah. a phenomenal uh, group of universities in that community. Uh, they have a really strong group of healthcare assets and companies, uh, hospital systems. And that has been kind of the the rock, I think, for Pittsburgh as it lost a lot of its industrial heritage companies and, and jobs. So, you know, they, they're poised to be a, a growing force in the in the healthcare sector, in the tech sector. Um, and when you've got universities like Carnegie Mellon, where we spent part of the day at the Tepper School of Business, which was a pretty amazing facility, um, that I think puts them, well positions them for the future. Coincidental. Yeah, that we were at the Tepper School of Business. Completely coincidental. Um, but I did get Tepper on the record saying that he wants his non, beyond his sports legacy in Charlotte, he wants his legacy in Charlotte to be helping us tackle the affordable or, or the upward mobility crisis. And so you definitely tossed him up a softball to bat out of their house. Yeah, but now I've got you weren't on the like, record. Hey, how much money do you want for the stadium? <laughs> no, it was a, what would you like us all to think? And well, look, here's the thing. It was a good question. If you're going to say kidding. in front of, if you're going to get him to say it in front of a group of people who better than the 150 people most able to probably bring him forward opportunities to fulfill that, um, like, remember when you said that <laughs> one thing, <laughs> good news, buddy, I got yeah, an opportunity here you for go. you. But um, he did state that he wanted to – he said he wanted three things. One, championship. Two, um, uh, getting involved in charity. And then he said, once I get my legs under me, to get involved and make an impact in the upward mobility stuff. Yeah, but, I mean, I you know, this is not a, sh- a short-term play for him. He's not investing what he's investing in South Carolina and, and pursuing – um, you know, they've, he's expressed very clearly an interest in trying to pursue MLS soccer. He's not doing these things because he doesn't think he's going to be involved in Charlotte for a long period of time. Clearly, he sees himself here. He's a fairly young guy as far as NFL owners go. He is the wealthiest owner in the NFL, and he's making long-term plays in this Charlotte region, both with his uh, investments he's starting in South Carolina, with MLS, with the Panthers. Um He's got a lot of time, and I, I mean think. his his collection of of button up shirts are perfect for our weather here, because you know sometimes it gets a little hot and needs to be you need kind of a breeze to come through, and you're down at three buttons down, and you go to four buttons down. You know that's the kind of thing where you know he's well suited for the region. That's a pretty deep cut joke there, but <laughs> no no pun intended on my part oh, either. Oh, um, good. Um, like final thought for me on the trip. 
in the beginning, you know, we discussed this with, with several folks. I wasn't exactly sure, like, what can Charlotte learn from Pittsburgh? Because it just felt like we were in two different places, a lot of different things. But then by the end of the trip, I think that my biggest takeaway was, and we had a great um, presentation by a guy that was involved in, I guess, their version of a chamber-like organization who's kind of like a little bit of a historian himself. And he kind of went through the the recent history of, uh, of Pittsburgh. And to understand what was going on in around, let's say, 1980 to 84 there and the collapse of the iron industry and basically the fact that while they had done a little bit to diversify their economy, you know, it was it was essentially something that snuck up on them. And with within a matter of three years, the bottom just drops out. There's no jobs for anyone. I mean, it is it is absolutely um, one of the worst scenarios you can think of. And it just it just reaffirmed to me the importance of what we're doing with fintech, with diversifying tech jobs here, with expanding the economy, because we are so dependent on financial services. And, you know, it, it can happen in the, in the snap of a finger where everything is turned upside down. And then you hear the three decades after that and the decisions they've made and then the implications they've had. They try to save the arts by increasing taxes. And it does do some stuff to help the arts, but they cite in another conversation, you know, the biggest challenge they have in recruiting businesses is they don't like the tax environment, right? So these things have implications and they are not growing. They're not even back to being as big as they were before the bottom dropped out of their, their industry. So definitely interesting lessons learned. And you were obviously a lot closer to this than I was during the financial crisis a decade ago. But I think that Charlotte had some of that fear and anxiety at that time where during the financial crisis, we realized how many of our eggs were in one basket oh. industry-wise. Now, thankfully, the financial sector has rebounded. It did not go the way of the steel industry and just kind of completely leave or collapse. But a lot of jobs were lost a decade ago in Charlotte. A lot of people thought, oh, my God, what happens if the banking industry goes the way of the steel industry to some degree, you were probably living that far more first person than I was. But I think that it, it probably did spur a lot of the realization for people in the community here that we have to be, uh, we have to have a broader economy, uh, not just be so deep in one or two fields. Yeah. I mean, dude, I was sitting in Wachovia during that time and when the city kind of acquisition stuff was floated and that looked like it was imminent, there was so much duplication and crossover that we were all very, very worried that they would just be like, well, we don't need any of that stuff gone, you know? So it was definitely a wake up, but it, so yeah, good trip overall, but that got us back in time to jump into zoning. I don't really have anything exciting going on in zoning. Yeah. We had a long meeting. We've just got, kidding. Well, we've got a couple of, um, so this coming Monday, after we do the Battle of the Dan's interviews, mm, our, our business meeting for Monday night, we've got a couple of really heavy topics where we're going to have a lot of speakers. We've got the noise mm. ordinance, we've got the tree ordinance, and we've got the recommendations from the immigration committee. Mm. All three of those, I think, are going to have a, a lot of discussion. It'd as be interesting they to hear the Dan's um, views on, on those tree ordinances. Well, on those, just those three. Um, Since we're all voting on them that night, I mean, that's interesting, is it not? Yeah, so... but. Point being, we knew how much we were going to have on this business meeting. We did not want to kick the can on any of the rezonings, uh, and there were a lot Monday night. So we just buckled in and, and finished them, and that's why we didn't do an episode Monday night. But yeah, we did I have Richie and said, 
I think maybe just we wait. wait a couple days. And you were not getting any f- uh, pushback from me on that. No. So we had a couple of interesting votes in District 1, uh, one of which was at 7th and Alexander, right near 7th and McDowell, behind the Little Rock AME Zion Church. We approved a rezoning there. They're going to a transit-oriented development district uh, zoning. They're going to build some affordable housing, mixed-income housing, on the back of the Little Rock AME Zion site. And that will require moving the two historic shotgun houses that are there. We're working on trying to find a new home for those. But What happens if you don't find a home for them? I think we will. They're, they're pretty small, and they're very easily moved. It won't be expensive to move them. They won't require a lot of space. But I think the key is to find somewhere we can move them where they will have some context and be visible and easily accessible for the public. That part I'm actually not that worried about. There were concerns in the neighborhood, though, around the – the potential development being under parked and and there again we've we've continually had and, and i had another one that passed in nota that on monday night as well this tod zoning is still people are still trying to get used to it and they don't see as much of a granular level of detail on the plans as they're accustomed to because tod says you know we're these are conventional rezonings you're just changing the zoning category then anything within that category can be built um, but we have much better guidelines for what should be built and what we want to see built along transit corridors. So that's still getting some people still getting used to it. But then also we know parking's an issue in first ward. So people are never going to get used to that in this town. I think they will. They all say they want it until it's happening near them. Yeah. And then they're like, uh, no, I need the detail. I want to be a deal making city. I think it'll just take a little bit of time to where when you've got people who are, who are accustomed to going through those individual deal-making scenarios and then shift to more of a plan-based development. Um, I think it just takes some getting used to because you're flipping a switch and you're going from one thing that you've done for so long to something totally different. I think over time that'll, that'll subside. And I think that once people see stuff coming out of the ground and realizing that the way that this TOD ordinance was written is going to yield projects that fit in the neighborhoods that that are amenities and are um are viewed as positives in those communities i think then a lot of that anxiety will subside too but we we know we have a big parking issue in first ward i've learned more specifically in talking to some people in the last few weeks that a lot of people are driving into uptown parking in the residential parts of first ward which is free and then getting on scooters and riding the scooters to the to their office buildings which causing a huge parking problem. So we're working with city staff right now to try to figure out how we prevent I agree that. with you on that, that point, by um, the way. So I don't know if that's residential parking passes. I don't know if that's metering these spaces um, or charging for these spaces unless you are a resident. We've got to figure out something because the, the point of um, scooters is not to just so that you can get close enough to your office building to park in someone's neighborhood all day and then ride a mile on a scooter. The point of the scooter is hopefully you bring tra- you ride transit in and then that last half a mile to get to your office is on a scooter or um, something different than how that's being apparently done in First Ward. So we, we've got to address the First Ward parking issues over there, but they already exist. They are not a byproduct of this uh, Little Rock petition, and so I was glad to see that pass, but we'll keep working on the uh, the parking. And then the Noda one, the anxiety we we're just talking about with TOD is a lot that there is not that engagement between the petitioner and the neighborhood. In this case, 
there was a lot of engagement. There was a lot of dialogue between the petitioner and the neighborhood. I felt good about how that was going. I'm working with Taiwo, our, our head of planning, to try to s- still figure out how we incorporate um, how we incorporate into the development process in TOD a way to facilitate a conversation between developers and neighborhoods so that they don't feel like they're losing that dialogue and that opportunity to give input and feedback. You had a couple of big ones, but they were not TOD because you don't have any TOD or not much yeah, to speak we don't, of. We don't have any transit in my district. Um, so what were your, uh, what were uh, your heavy lifts? Yeah, well, just four little things. I've already had two meetings today earlier with uh, different parties trying to get them uh, get them closer to the same page, but I've got the big big scoped one of uh, Shalom Park, Aldersgate, the um, the uh, aging community there. Um, we're getting very close to a good spot there, but that one's been a tough one. Similar in a lot of ways to uh, Sharon Towers, different in some as well. Uh, I've got a, a, a smaller one over uh, off Providence, Providence Drive over there. It's near, near um, Wendover uh, that um, we're working towards a conclusion. I've got another one over uh, on Carmel, uh, near Carmel Country Club where we're working towards a conclusion and i've got one on sardis near that area again another uh, another um aging community so yeah i'm just like you know it's either nothing <laughs> is going on from a zoning front or it's all happening at the same time i don't think i've ever had this volume of highly kind of controversial ones but we've got welcome to my life yeah well we've, we've got a uh, we've got a little less than a month to finish them up so we're tracking in the right direction. Um, one other thing that just kind of came across the wire in the last hour or two that I'll mention because we talked about it at our town hall. We did we recapped our town hall in the last episode, I believe. I think so. Um, but for anybody who watched uh, the stream of our town hall or was at our town hall, my call to action was around the Excelsior Club. Um, mission accomplished. It's under contract. What? So that just it just By popped who? up today. A, a buyer in California, yet unnamed, and price not disclosed yet. And I, I guess going to turn into I a better, fracking I better, station. I better knock on wood because until the ink's dry on the contract, obviously anything could happen. But, but I, does it indicate what their intentions well, are? Well, it it does indicate that they are of the mind to preserve it, and so it doesn't it doesn't get into much of any detail yet. All that well, that's has, great news, yeah, man. All that's and and I'm clearly kidding it's not because we brought it up at the town hall no it i would <laughs> i would not don't shy away from taking credit for this but the i will also take partial credit the historic um what is it public trust for historic places or whatever, that put out the list of 11 most endangered landmarks in the country this is is likely the beneficial byproduct of ending up on a list like that is that people all over the country are made aware of something that that heretofore was probably only in the front of mind for people who live in this community of Charlotte and that knew about the Excelsior Club personally, someone in California in all likelihood saw that list and, and took an interest in this. Um, more details will come as to who that is, what they paid and what their plans are, but they have made clear apparently that they do intend to preserve the club, uh, how they do that, what new use or what new life they give it or what context they give it in a surrounding development. Uh, that will all play out over time, but it is uh, certainly good news. Solving problems, man. Yeah, man. Just solving problems. Well, congratulations, Larkin. Um, and I'd mentioned you—you you had talked about at the town hall a music festival that you've got coming, 
and then yep. our friend Joe Bruno did a bunch of records requests and, mm. and outed all the details. Good old Joe for you. Appreciate shout it, out, bud. Shout out to Joe Bruno. Yeah, um, always doing the digging. Always. And um, we love you, Joe. But I had mentioned too that I was working with a, another group who wants to bring a festival at a different time of year, and uh, did a site visit with them last week. Uh, a couple folks that were in town. I mean, there's music everywhere right now. And CLT. My idea for uh, the the potential site. We did. We spent about an hour and a half doing a site visit. Excelsior Club. Not no, not yet. Although I did have somebody approach me and say, "Could we do a music festival? You couldn't do a one battle day. of the dance. No. Could we do a music festival like near, like at the Excelsior, maybe out in the parking lot to raise money for it? Which, if things don't pan out with this California contract, maybe we'll explore that option. Yeah. But, um. But this other music festival seems very, very interested in Charlotte. They seemed very, very interested in the site that we visited. And uh, so hoping to have some good news on that in the next month or two. So 2020 is going to be a big year for music. Um, there's a lot of irons in the fire. And even if only half of, of what's in the works right now, some of which we're involved with, some of which we're not directly, even if only half of it pans out, I think there will be more festivals, more music, um, more excitement in that in that realm of uh, entertainment in charlotte than there has been in a long time and as i plugged on flashpoint this morning anybody who is uh, interested should go out to the charlotte museum of history they just opened an exhibit last week talking about um, some of the historic music venues of our city and so that's really cool and people should definitely get out there and check that out in east charlotte but love uh, it good things happening on the music front all right man well we got a big week next week Hashtag Battle of the Dance. Send us your questions. Yes, and um, we will uh, we will get as many of them asked during the interviews as possible. And uh, hopefully, this will be a good opportunity for you to decide who is the right Dan for you. <laughs> Until Monday. Talk to you. <laughs>